Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I see this as a continuum where the Fed is tightened and that's squeezing the economy. And it's mainly showed up in uh, lower inflation so far. But I think next year it'll be maybe more lower inflation, but I think the economy will weaken and I think a recession is like. Wall Street's long-reigning number one economist is on Consuelo Mack Wealth Track. Funding provided by Clearbridge Investments, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Baird, Bill Miller, Research Affiliates, Strategus Asset Management, Women Investing in Security and Education, and Matthews Asia. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. Every year at this time, we wait with eager anticipation to sit down for a rare in-depth interview with Ed Hyman, Wall Street's king of economists, to hear his assessment of economic and market conditions and his forecast for the new year. As regular Wealth Track viewers know, Hyman has been voted Wall Street's number one economist for an unrivaled 43 years by institutional investors. Hyman is the founder and chairman of Evercore ISI, a division of investment banking firm Evercore, and leads its economic research team, which publishes daily reports that are considered to be must-reads by institutional investors all over the world. A year ago, Hyman and his team were tracking the impact of the Federal Reserve's aggressive and rapid tightening policies, which had begun in March of 2022. The key federal funds rate, which had started 2022 near zero, had jumped to 4.5% by year end. It is now at 5.5%. Hyman made two predictions on wealth track at the end of 2022. His highest conviction and most contrarian one was that inflation was slowing to the point where he was actually seeing some signs of deflation, falling prices in a few instances. His second pretty high conviction call was that the economy was slowing, and if the Fed continued to raise interest rates and tighten overall credit conditions even more, it could lead to a recession. And as for the market in 2023, Hyman didn't have a high conviction call, but Evercore ISI's technical analyst Rich Ross did. And Hyman said Ross was flat out bullish and that he was going along for the ride, but had plenty of cash in case that's wrong. So I asked Hyman to do a post-mortem of the past year, starting with his then out-of-consensus call that inflation was cooling. How much has inflation cooled? So it slowed a lot, but it hadn't slowed enough yet for the Fed. But this is the, a process, and it strikes me that people don't think a lot about why it has slowed, which, in my opinion, is clear. It's because the Fed has tightened aggressively on every dimension, including, say, a contraction in the money supply. Uh, and inflation has slowed around the world. And Inflation is multifaceted. They have a, a measure of inflation. The Fed watches the closest called the super core 
How about that? Supercore. The Supercore PCE and, uh, is that the personal consumption expenditures yes, index, super, the, the, but the core it's the of super it. It's the PCE core, right? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's 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 uh, anyway. It's been real sticky, but it it came out this week. It was only a point one, which is about a one percent annual rate, and it was like six or seven. Uh, and wages are slowing some, rents are slowing a lot. Uh, commodity prices have continued to be on the weak side. Uh, gasoline prices are down almost two dollars in past six months. I'm satisfied with how much it has slowed. And Eva uh, said to go back to the beginnings. I have a high conviction that it's going to continue to slow. So there you have it. From these levels, I mean, we're getting we're getting down right to where the Fed wants the PCE to be at, uh, what, 2% or, or are we getting that right. close? Yep. One of the things that uh, the Fed got wrong with the transitory story two years ago, they thought inflation was slow two years ago. Part of it was mm -hmm. uh, what they call a basis effect. So a car price was 35000 and they went up to 50000 And it, you know, 35000 you know, we're used to that. Uh, 40,000, it's a boy. 45,000, you're famous. This is not going to work. At 50,000, you say, I'm not going to buy it. And, and so you're getting into demand destruction, and it's hard to get prices to go up further on a percentage basis. Uh, so the standard view is that the, the last mile is the most difficult. I think the last mile will be the easiest. Because you already have prices up so high uh, that it's difficult for them or harder for them to go higher. Uh, and you got momentum now on the downside, the wages and rents and the commodity prices, uh, a lot of different measures. I don't want to take away from my standing with you mm -hmm. and your audience <laughs> that I'm well aware that prices are much higher now than they were a year and a half ago. Right. And so we've had a, a lot of inflation. I don't expect prices to go down necessarily, uh, but I, I think they'll, they'll get to 2% um, in 2024. Uh, the big piece of uh, inflation, about 20% of it in the government data, uh, are rents. And rents are really slowly. And we had the biggest increase and the number of apartments under construction ever. Uh, I don't know if you see it. I see it all around. I'm, I'm driving around. People mm -hmm. are starting to build apartments, and that will come on the market. They will you know, be put on the market in 2024 next year. At about the time, employment is continuing to slow. I think rents have continued to come down. That's good news. Well, <laughs> if you if you own a bar, it's not such a good... Right. If you're, if you're a renter, it's a good news it's in a, a very good, tight good housing news, right. market, right? Yeah. Right. I, I think apartment owners could have a little trouble next year. If there really is going to be a, a tsunami of supply at the same time in Plumas weakening. A, a year ago, again, on, on WealthTrack, uh, you also said that you were seeing some signs of deflation. Are you seeing any signs of deflation where prices are actually falling? There's spots of it here and there. Uh, I was struck this year 
by the number of price cuts I was getting in my email, it was mm -hmm. one after another. So there, there's some you know price cut. Used car prices are coming down. I mentioned gasoline prices are coming down. Yeah. Uh, rents by some measures are coming down. Uh, the base book this week said that uh, companies are cutting starting salaries. So there's some, but I'm not. I don't necessarily. I don't have to go that far. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to uh, get into a deflation. And right. back in the 1970s, um, I'm not sure why I'm bringing this up, but there, there were there were no signs of prices going bad. No one would ever dream of cutting prices. But now there are a few signs, uh, and there are a lot of signs that inflation is slowing. The government data shows that. I'm not bringing up anything that's a secret. The you know, bond yields are down 70 basis points, and now the Fed is on pause, and uh, many expect uh, rates to be cut next year. Including you, right? Yes, they'll be cut. And I also think the economy is going to continue to weaken. Mm -hmm. So I see this as a continuum where the Fed is tightened, and that's squeezing the economy. And it's mainly showed up in uh, lower inflation so far. But I think next year it'll be maybe more lower inflation, but I think the economy will weaken, and I think a recession is likely. Because you've been telling clients it's like the slowing economy is like watching paint dry. That it's like it. these <laughs> tiny increments that you're seeing evidence of the slowdown in the economy. That was your pretty high conviction call a year ago uh, was that the economy would slow. Um, and if the Fed kept tightening, that there would be a possibility of a recession this in, in 2023, which didn't happen. So what shape is the economy in? But the economy is in good shape. Uh, like every metric I can look at, say consumers have a lot of cash, the setting rate is okay, uh, corporations have cash. Uh, it's it's a pretty good situation. It's, it's definitely, I've been in periods where it looked just the opposite. Like in 05, 06, 07, housing were really coming under pressure. And they had the tech bubble uh, back in the cycle before that. We don't have any of that. There are some things, you know, like some of the stocks right now overvalue. Uh, but there's no real uh, bubble like we've had in the past cycle. Uh, so I don't expect a, uh, a severe recession, but I think we'll get employment to decline slightly and un unemployment to go up. Uh, employment has been pretty good, but let me share with you what pretty good means. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was with you a year ago, employment was increasing about 600,000 a month. Then that went to 500,000, 400,000, Etc. And the latest three-month average is 200,000. Wow. So it, it has slowed mm -hmm. significantly. I'm no hockey player, but, you know, going where the puck is headed sounded like a plenty good idea. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's clear to me that employment gains are slowing. And there's a lot of evidence of that uh, in addition to the numbers I mentioned. And we're estimating employment to increase in November 130,000, adapting 65432. I don't know. So it, it's coming along. 
it sounds uh, so gradual and so benign. <laughs> How can that be, considering what the Fed has done? We've talked about this before, that something is bound to break. And nothing except, well, we had Silicon Valley Bank, we had First Republic Bank, we had a scare there. This is my 13th tightening cycle. And every one of them has had something break, some bigger than others. Housing was still the big one. Uh, but like in 95, you had three, you had Russia, uh, had a financial crisis, you had the Asia crisis, uh, and then you had LTCM. That all Those happened. were painful, right. They were painful. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about it a little bit, but let me just first say that it takes about 18 months for this to fully, fully work through the economy. We can talk a little bit about why it takes 18 months, mm -hmm. but it's a $25 trillion economy. And there's so many things that, you know, funding for different things that have to get done and then building that have to be finished, et cetera. Uh, but the Fed started to aggressively tighten in the summer of 06. Go back to the last business cycle. Mm -hmm. The recession didn't start for 18 months until 2008. And during that 18 months, uh, the economy was just fine. And in the latter part of 2007, just before the recession started, GDP growth was 2.5%. Plummet was pretty good. And the S&P completed a 20% rally uh, eight weeks before the recession started. So, so. I mean, it, 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 it's sort of okay until it's not okay. It, it's still going to take longer, uh, you know, for the full impact of Fed tightening. And right. this gets into a little bit of a rabbit hole that the election is coming up next year. Yes. And at this point, uh, because of you know, 18 month lag, there's really nothing the Fed can do to prevent the economy from either stalling significantly or going into a recession. How much are, attention are you paying to the fact of the refinancing costs by the Treasury? I think that we've got something like $800 billion that has to be refinanced by the Treasury in the first quarter. And now the carry interest on that is 2%, and it's going to go definitely to 4 or above. How much of an issue is that for the bond markets? We only have so much energy to try and spend on what we think is the critical topic. Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to dismiss the budget deficit as being a critical issue. If the economy starts to weaken uh, and the budget deficit starts to go up, it is possible that it could push up bond yield. But just at the moment, that's not anywhere close to what's happening. And if the economy starts to go into a recession and you look at the conventional view and you try and figure out how could it be different than that? Right now, we have the Fed cutting interest rates six times next year because we have a recession or cat. Wow, six times in, in a, are they 25 basis points or? They're are 25 they, basis points. Again, point, which the is, increments, but six times. All six, right. six times. 
that's going to be the whole issue next year uh, if the economy continues to weaken. Will the drop in earnings associated with the weaker economy, could that be offset by declines in debt funds, by interest rates? And the point I want to come to is that uh, if the economy starts to weaken, uh, it's easy for me to see that there could be calls for 50 basis point cuts because, you know, 25 because they got to get it done. But even 50 is not going to get it done either. Long and variable lags, as it said. So we're talking about like a 4% Fed funds rate by the fourth quarter of 2024. I slept math work. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read it in an ISI report. <laughs> no, you figured it out. I could see your brain working there. It was yeah, very calculating slowly. perfectly. So, Ed, let's talk about the market, because um, a, a year ago, it, it was very endearing to me to hear you say this. You said, well, I'm not sure, but I've got a terrific technical analyst named Rich Ross who is sure, and he is flat out bullish, and you are going to go along for the ride. So what's Rich Ross saying now, and do you, ha do you have a stronger personal conviction about the market for 2024? Rich has done a really special job for us. Um, I've worked my entire career uh, I've always had a technical analyst uh, to make me think about the patterns as a market and what they mean. And uh, Rich has, he was bullish, bearish, bullish, bearish, bullish, bearish, that is bullish. I mean, he's kind of mm -hmm. like six calls in a row that have worked out. And he's still bullish. Uh, and I can see what he's seeing, which is that we're not in recession now. It might be six months before it starts. And in the meantime, you get you know better holiday sales, you get better earning, employment's okay, uh, and the Fed is on pause. And there'll be in more and more talk about the Fed cutting interest rates. And it seems as though that mix is enough to keep the market moving up. At some point, uh, I think the Economies that look like it really is weakening, like the paint has dried, <laughs> and and we're going into a recession, or too much weaker. Uh, let's say unemployment goes uh, over four percent now, three point nine. Uh, but we're it's clear that something is impacted, and then people realize that it does take a long time for monetary tightening to work, and that this is just the beginning of a more severe slowing in the economy. And maybe something breaks. Uh, commercial real estate, probably the top of the list, but uh, to a certain extent, when there's nothing obvious, uh, almost by definition, you don't know what it's going to be. There are plenty of possi possibilities out there, but that would focus uh, certainly monetary interest for policy and uh, uh, what's happened. You know, one of the things that you had in an Evercore ISI report was the fact that um, that the S&P revenues peaked uh, well into the global financial crisis. And then, of course, the S&P 500 then declined 60%. Um, but that was the global financial crisis. We're not talking about a scenario like that. It doesn't sound like, at any rate. It sounds to me, uh, I share with you, is that you cannot look at the economy today and decide whether or not it's going to be a recession tomorrow. These things can happen pretty quickly, and uh, 
I think the Fed did not have the recession in its forecast until maybe March of 08, when the recession had already started. And there were indicators like the one you're mentioning, where S&D revenue, which sound like a pretty understandable measure, is that of all the revenues for the S&P 500 company, that made a new peak in the first quarter of 2008. They kind of was just rolling over. Is there a high conviction call, a pretty high conviction call, a not no conviction whatsoever? <laughs> Do you want to share those with us? Well, my high conviction call is that inflation continues to slow. I see that as a response to monetary tightening. And it makes sense to me that if it's squeezing pricing, it's also squeezing volume. Like it's to, you know, the recession. And there's plenty of evidence uh, that employment gains are slowing. I think that as the uh, night follows day, you'll get a slowdown in volume, a continued slowdown in volume. And foreign central banks have been tightening, and foreign economies are slowing. The world economy is, is slowing, and inflation is slowing um, around the world. And that you know, gives you a, a better sense of where the punch is going. The Fed is done. Uh, next mission will be how much they want to cut rates. But mm -hmm. I, I don't mind the Fed saying strongly, we are not going to cut rates until we think we've got the job done. And I said, oh, that's fine with me. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I feel pretty good. And of course, uh, the stock market going up is a, it makes you feel better than you should probably. Mm -hmm. It seems right. as though uh, being diversified is a good idea. And so I still own some real estate. I own a lot of stocks, uh, but I'm nervous that something could break, and so I don't mind owning, you know, holding a lot of cash. And now today's cash, you get five percent on it. So it's yes. <laughs> Add one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, and, and I know you're long-term hold, holder of some stocks. And a couple of years ago, we had Apple, Amazon, uh, Lennar, and Pfizer. Any changes there with the Apples and the Amazons, Lennar or Pfizer? No, I like those, but I, mm -hmm. I, thinking about this topic, I think for you and me, one thing we need to try and do is to have some exposure to AI. It's, the stocks have already run a lot. And so if you buy some now, you have to be prepared for some pullbacks. But I think artificial intelligence is a major development. Mm -hmm. in the path of the world economy. So however you, you know, want to ex express that, uh -huh. I, I have some, you know, I guess the, you know, Microsoft is the easiest way to shop mm -hmm. <laughs> down that aisle. AI, uh, major development, comparable to what? I mean, how significant is it? Well, you know, there's not really like, we'll have this type of whatever now. Okay. Yeah, you know, I brought it up. And you did. It, it strikes me that it could really be something uh, along the line of electricity uh, or you know, mass production 
Uh, it could be, you know, bigger than the internet, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be bigger than any of those. It just has to be a big deal. So thank you so much for joining us again on Wealth Track with it's your my insights pleasure. and it's your outlook. It's such a treat to see you and appreciate your friendship. And I appreciate the work you do on this show. I think it really helps people understand what's going on in the economy and financial market now they might improve their performance in those regard. Thank you, Ed. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is read the recently reissued edition of Poor Charlie's Almanac, The Essential Wit and Wisdom of Charles T. Munger. Munger, who died recently at the ripe old age of 99, was the billionaire vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. A legendary investor in his own right, Munger was Warren Buffett's closest friend, longtime business partner, and advisor. Buffett dubbed him the abominable no-man for vetoing numerous potential investments over their six decades together and credits Munger with changing Buffett's original Graham and Dodd deep value approach of buying cigar butt investments, mediocre companies at bargain prices, to one of buying splendid businesses at reasonable prices. Poor Charlie's Almanac is a collection of 11 of Munger's talks over the years on topics ranging from investing to academia to the personal habits and qualities that will lead to success or failure in life. Buffett said recruiting Charlie was his greatest investment accomplishment. Reading Poor Charlie's Almanac will be a great and entertaining investment of your time and perhaps a source of a New Year's resolution. This is the one that I'm adopting. Munger advised, spend each day trying to be a little wiser than you were when you woke up. Well, next week, Star Portfolio Manager David Drew discusses where he is finding compelling values in the market and how AI figures into his strategy. And in this week's extra feature, Ed Hyman recommends one of his favorite books to read in the new year. Thank you for spending time with us during the busy holiday season. We hope it's a joyous one. Have a wonderful weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.